You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Happy Monday. So it's Brick here, and I am grateful that you have tuned into the podcast this Monday morning. This podcast is a little bit unique in that it's a continuation from Friday's podcast. Uh, If you had the chance to listen to Friday's podcast, then you're able to hear my conversation with Michael Garrett, the director of Homes of Hope. And Michael and I are sitting here uh, together. We're recording a second podcast for you because it's laid on our hearts um, to have have a desire to communicate with you uh, the burden that is on Michael's heart and, and a burden that is grieved over the condition of the, the child, the public child care system, and how Christ is leading Homes of Hope to be a different paradigm, a different example, one that is directed by him and the love that he offers. So, Michael, thank you for, for sticking around and for continuing to, to share this burden on your heart. Uh, we previously spoke about uh, the issue in the system regarding placements, the, the right. many placements, or, or I guess the goal of uh, three placements within to, to, to for a child to be be placed in a home no more than three times within 14 months right which that, is a is sad right? right and that that's the that's the um, goal for the state of Mississippi right? yeah that's right that's right um, so we we, we know that that is um, obviously something that for for a child's development is, uh, incredibly difficult. It does right. not set them up for success. And we know that the Lord is calling Homes of Hope to, to be a direct voice and to offer that um, that consistency and that security through the way that, that they're doing child care. Um, Michael, th- there's kind of some more ways that, mm-hmm. that um, you just see and are grieved um, by the situation that we find ourselves in. I'd love for you to share those with us and so that we can again, feel that conviction to say, Lord, we want to be a light in this. So right. share with us. You know, the the other, what I would consider to be the, the other big issue within uh, out-of-home care is the medications that children are prescribed or, di- or is- things they're diagnosed with and then put on medications for. Mm. And what I consider this to be one of the dirty secrets in out-of-home care that if more light was shown on it. I, I think there would be just such an uprising hmm. uh, with people, and it doesn't. You don't have to be a person of faith to understand really how wrong this is. But in a nutshell, there's money tied to every single child in out of home care. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizations that take care of these kids receive those monies. It's funneled through CPS, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so you, uh, one of the ways that you can get more money for each child is by having them diagnosed with more things. The more things that a child is diagnosed with and the more money that follows them that goes to whatever entity or group is taking care of them. Uh, what What is really frustrating to me in this equation is that oftentimes these kids are in group homes uh, or therapeutic homes where the the children's home itself or the group home itself has on its staff counselors and psychologists and others who actually make the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that to me that's that's something that I'm very much against from the standpoint that these employees know that the more they diagnose these kids with, then their organizations get more money. There is a financial benefit to diagnosing kids with more stuff. Mm. And I find that disgusting. I hate it. I don't like it. Mm. Uh, I've known it was an issue because I I lived in the system. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, years ago, a friend of mine, we started these camp ministries for siblings who are separated in foster care in Louisiana. And uh, as we started doing these camps, I one one of the first few camps we did, he was telling me about the medications that kids brought with them. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, how much medication was it? And he brought me to the area where they had the all, all the medication lined up mm-hmm. with uh, the child's name on the outside of this container. I was shocked. Mm. I was shocked. I thought you would think most people would think that one child's medication, the number of stuff they were on, was for the whole camp that mm. was there. All 20-something kids that were there. But it was just for one kid. Mm. And that that really stood out to me. And obviously, as I, as we did this more and more, we started to study it. And uh, what is happening in the field and in our, in our, in our uh, system is kids are purely being diagnosed with things because of the money that's attached to the diagnosis. Mm. And what, what makes this even more reprehensible to me is, yes, these kids are depressed. Mm-hmm. Yes, these kids are hurting. They have depressing and hurtful lives. Mm-hmm. When you've been abandoned by your mom and dad, when you've been abused by your mom and dad, when you've been taken away from your mom and dad, you are automatically in a depressing situation. Mm. But when you get to the system, as we talked about before, about the number of placements they have, well, you have a system that depresses them too. And then what the system does after doing all that to them, it turns around and says, hey, let's let's diagnose them with as much stuff as we can because, you know, there's more money attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I just totally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I totally disagree. I, I will say this. If, if you turn the tables on the state and it cost them, mm-hmm. if it started costing them to diagnose the kid with something, you would see a transformation take place across state care. Mm -hmm. So many kids would come off of medication so fast, it would make your mind blow Mm -hmm. up. It... At Homes of Hope for Children, we have taken the money out of the equation. And thankfully, we have God's people Mm -hmm. that we rely on. I don't rely on the state for anything. I don't rely on them for kids, and we don't rely on them for for money. The kids at Homes of Hope don't do anything but cost us money just like your kids cost you money. Mm. Uh, We have no financial benefit. I don't take money from the state. I could, but I don't. Uh, we don't have any uh, financial benefit to diagnosing a single kid at Homes of Hope. I I don't think it's surprising that homes of children at Homes of Hope for Children are diagnosed with far less things than kids in the system are. Even Mm. though the kids at Homes of Hope, uh, at least up until when they came to live with us, came from the same situations, but they're diagnosed with far less than the average child in state care. I I think there's a corrupt system in there. And as long as we're going to provide a financial benefit to children being diagnosed with things, then we can just guarantee the kids are going to be diagnosed with things that they shouldn't be diagnosed with. Mm. And I am not saying that there aren't kids that do need medication. Absolutely, there are some kids that need that. We have some kids at Homes of Hope that are on certain medications. But the sheer... uh, uh, number of things uh, and pills that they take, uh, I think a lot of that is due to the money that's tied up in it. When you couple that with the fact that oftentimes what they encounter in the system is just as harmful to them emotionally 
as and, and physically as what they endured in the homes that they're coming out of. Well, what a self-fulfilling prophecy the, the state has going on mm-hmm. where uh, they diagnose kids with stuff because of the stuff that they're doing to the kids. Mm-hmm. But then the state gets paid more money because of what they're doing to the kids. It's a cycle. It, it's just disgusting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it's one of those things most people really don't know about. Nobody yeah. ever really talks about it. And, uh, but just, you know, I wish everybody could take a look at the kids at Homes of Hope, Mm. uh, and the life that they have at Homes of Hope and how generally happy they are in midst of some sad circumstances that they come out of. Mm. Uh, I wish people could look and see how less our kids are diagnosed with certain things or how little medication our kids are on. And here's the other thing that, you know, once a child is diagnosed with something and you start receiving more money, uh, because that child was diagnosed with that, Mm -hmm. well, where is the motivation to get that child off that medication? Where is the motivation to say, okay, they've gone through this period, they had this medication, they have improved, now can we back off of that medication? You don't see that in out-of-home care in general. At Homes of Hope for Children, because we have no financial benefit whatsoever to a child being diagnosed with something, we work with the psychologists, we work with the counselors to say, okay, they're doing much better now, uh, can we start reducing this? Mm. You know, and can we eventually get them off of that? Yeah, and we've yeah. been able to do that at Homes of Hope in a very controlled way where Homes of Hope's not making the decision. We're working with the psychologists and counselors. But if we can reduce or take them, get them off of that and then still be healthy and going in the right direction, then that, that's our goal. Again, mm. because we don't lose money because that child is taken off of a medication. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I just, you know, uh, I, maybe I'm cynical, but how, I, how often... How often do you think or have you seen where money kind of corrupts things? It, it, it tends to do that to situations and circumstances. Mm. And I believe in this regard, it's really corrupted things. Mm. Wow. Michael, I say, you know, first and foremost, thank you for sharing this burden on your heart. Because in, in my own life, I, I had no idea that this this was an issue that, that, our, that we find ourselves in. Um, and... As much as hard as it is to hear those things, right? To to see brokenness, you know, on a systemic level, right. and recognize that, but more so to to remember to know that it's that there's brokenness on a systemic level, but that that impacts a child's life right. is something that grieves me. But I'm I'm thankful that you shared that with us because what that does for me is it gives me a conviction. And it puts it puts fuel on the fire for me to say, Lord, how are you going to use me? How are you going to use us as a church family to to be an impact on that? Mm-hmm. So if there's a way that you could equip us um, and and really reaffirm with us, um, according to I remember our first podcast, some things that you encouraged us. What are some ways that that we as a church family can be a part of that that Christ-like paradigm of saying of bringing life and um, gosh, providing a different format than what our system looks like. You know, in in the last podcast, I talked about uh, praying and and encouraging others to come and start children's home, Christian children's home ministries, which I still think, to me, that's the solution to the problem, ultimately. But I do think that there's another avenue for people of faith to, and you don't even have to be a person of faith. I I think you could just be Mm. someone who's compassionate and come to these same conclusions. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're a person out there that, that really is, is compelled by these issues, I, I think a great thing for you to do is to call your congressman and call your senator mm. and talk specifics with them. Talk to your state senator about 
ask, ask him or her how many placements children have in state care and see if they know the answer to that. Mm. It is senators who hold the purse strings on CPS. Mm. If they're going to hold the purse strings on CPS, then they ought to know. And they, they should feel like their constituents expect them to know how many placements children have in, in state care. Mm-hmm. They should know what kind of stuff, how, how often kids are diagnosed with certain things and how much medication on average children are on in state care. Mm-hmm. I think whenever we make a, a, a um, bring enough attention to this as voters, when enough voters make the people we're voting for feel that this is an issue that they ought to be taken care of and they ought to be dealing with, mm-hmm. then I think you have a better chance of it being dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. whether it's a congressman or a senator, I would just challenge you, become more knowledgeable so mm-hmm. that when you do speak to them, you're not speaking in too general of a terms. Yeah. But what I gave you are two great things to ask them. Ask them about the number of placements the children have in state care and how inappropriate three placements every 14 months as a goal is. Also, talk to them about why are children in out-of-home care diagnosed with more things than any other group of children out there? Uh, why why are they diagnosed with so much more stuff than children at Homes of Hope for Children? What are they encountering in the state that says that they need to be on more medication than a child at Homes of Hope for Children who mm-hmm. comes from the exact same background? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, um, thank you. I, I, I love hearing your passion. Um, it comes through strongly and... And it gives me uh, encouragement to say, hey, there, there is a better way out there. And mm-hmm. that, you know, there there's ministries that are being obedient, Homes of Hope that's being obedient to Jesus to provide a different way. Um, so thank, thank you for sharing with us. I'm stirred first and foremost, and I encourage, encourage all those that are listening, I'm stirred first and foremost to pray, right? To, right. To the, you know, the burdens that are on our hearts, should, we should bring those to the Lord and ask, number one, for Him and His sovereignty to be over it and in it, and we know that He is. And then number two, for ask to ask Him to guide us as as we are active members in that. So I hope all those that are listening that that you would do that as well. Thanks for tuning in to a to a more difficult difficult episode, one right. that highlights uh, just some brokenness in our systems, brokenness in our culture but something that we need to think about so that we can be active members in changing that. Michael, thanks for being on the podcast. Really glad that you had the chance to join us and for sharing your heart with us. Glad to be here. Thank you.